0: Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you. Not just your word. Thank you for you. Thank you that your word is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit, Lord. Lord, we pray that your word, Lord, your word is spirit and it's life, that it would speak to our spirits. I speak to every spirit here. I say awaken to the word of God. May the word of God nourish you. May the word of God refresh you. May the word of God bring life. May the Word of God bring clarity. May the Word of God wash you. May the Word of God bring holiness. Lord, we speak the Word of God under the Spirit and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. May do a mighty work in our lives tonight, this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just said tonight. Why did I pray tonight? It's like, what's going on in my head? Okay. I'm sure the Lord heard my prayers anyway. Okay. So we are carrying on with a series on miracles, Let Him Be Known. And last week um, we, 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 we looked at, if we go to the next slide, we looked at this, this is our sort of table of where we're going. Um, so we looked at feeding of the 5,000, we're on uh, part five, uh, of, and we're looking at Jesus walking on the water. And all these uh, seven, these are seven miracles mentioned in John. And so we're going through these miracles. And, and really my heart has been, Lord, I don't want to come to these stories with a, an expectation or even history. I mean, I've, I've ministered in a number of these things before. And my heart is, Lord, I want to come fresh. I want to hear what you are saying to His people in the beginning of 2023 regarding these miracle stories. And so I've, I've kind of been surprised sometimes what has come out as we've shared these stories and the various things the Lord has highlighted. Uh, it's been very fresh, very encouraging for me. And as I said, um, we're a team. It's been the J&J and the A&A, okay? Uh, The A-team and the J-team. You know, there was a movie about the A-team, okay? The J-team movie's still coming, I'm sure, (laughs) or or series, okay? So it's been the A&A team have been Awanke and Amu, and then the J&J team, Jen and I, have been uh, just ministering this series, okay? Walking on Water, and the story, you know, it's only five verses, Or, or what? Yeah, six verses. It's so short in John. It's like you could you know if you're not concentrating while you're reading, you read past that, and you kind of nearly miss it. In the book of Matthew, whenever I've spoken on and I preach a lot on the story of walking on water, I've usually used the Matthew story, and there I think it's about 12 verses, and he also Matthew highlights the fact that um, our, our friend Peter also walked on the water. John doesn't mention this yet, nor does Mark. it's mentioned in Mark. it's also about, about five or six verses. It's very short. And I want to say the story is very significant to us because this is the scripture that the Lord used to call us to Peter Maritzburg. To get out of the boat of Cape Town where we were pastors and settled and we'd bought a house and everything. The Lord used this scripture to get us out of the boat of Cape Town and move to the amazing city of Peter Maritzburg. It's such a beautiful place. Wow, I'm privileged to be called to Peter Maritzburg. Amen. And think we're crazy, but they don't have the Word of God, amen, to to, to come to Peter Maritzburg. So I'm so delighted about, about this story. So what I've done for you is I've put a satellite picture up for you, okay, on the next slide. Because some of you say that you're not good with maps, but you're good with photographs. So guys, there's a photo. Don't think map, think photo, okay? This is a God selfie from heaven of the Sea of Galilee. So places around the Sea of Galilee. Okay, I asked God for a selfie. Okay, he, he didn't kind of get himself in the selfie. Okay, but anyway. Okay, so this is not a map. Those of you who say... I'm amazed how many people say, Pastor, I don't do maps. Okay, it's a photo from heaven. It's between, satellite pictures are taken about 200 to 2,000 kilometers up in the sky. So there's a nice heavenly picture. The big green blob on the screen, that is the Sea of Galilee. Okay, the dark green blob, that is the Sea of Galilee. And you can see all the areas around it. Now, um, in, the, in the orange text, you can see... Um, I mean, in the middle there it says Sea of Galilee. So you guys got that one. Okay. Then on the left-hand side is the populated side. On the right-hand side is the desolate side of the Sea of Galilee. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus and his disciples, they were at Capernaum. Okay. But look, here's Tiberius at the bottom. There's Gennesaret, Bethsaida. And the feeding of the 5,000 was here on this side, the desolate side. So you'll remember, because we looked at this last week, that Jesus told his disciples, they were at Capernaum, let's go to a desolate place. They wanted to have some time alone. So they took a boat from Capernaum down to this spot over here where it says feeding of the five thousand. Okay? That is I measured it about eight and a half kilometers across the Sea of Galilee. A number of them are fishermen, not a problem. They do this often. They came there, and when they got there, they found all these thousands of people. And Jesus started ministering them, teaching them, the Bible says. And then the Bible says He, he had compassion on them because they, they were in a desolate place. There's no shops or anything to get food around there. And then Jesus fed them the five loaves and the two fish, and we looked at that last week. I'm not going to go over that. And then what happened, basically... Um, Jesus and, and the disciples, Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat. And He told them to go back across the lake to the other side, to Capernaum. And Jesus went into the hills and mountains on this side to pray through the night. He was praying in the mountains and hills on this side. He was looking at them, paddling through the night to get across the lake. And then the Bible says in the, in the fourth watch, which is between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., Jesus walked across and basically met with him in the middle of the lake. And we're going to read the story. Okay, So that's just to give you the context of where we are. It's a photo, guys, of what happened in the Bible. There we go. Okay, so you got it. Okay, so let's read the story now. And, and I, I just want to say about Capernaum. Um, just go back. I just want to say about Capernaum. In Jesus' life, he was based, most of his ministry years, he was actually based in Capernaum. We know he was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. But there are nearly 20 references in Scripture to Jesus being in Capernaum. Uh, Andrew and Peter and James and John, four of his disciples, and there's another one. I forget which one. They all came from Capernaum. Peter was married. He had a house there. Um, and so Jesus was based, a lot of his ministry was from Capernaum. And they would go out and come back to Capernaum. There are a lot of things that happened in Capernaum. Um, just just to, And it, and it's it's on the northern side you can see of the Lake of, Sea of Galilee. And it was a, a real transport hub because to get around the north of that, you had to walk you, the road. You can actually see, even on today, the major roads going past there. So it was a trade hub. A lot of people going through there. So a good place to be based for ministry. The good transport routes, lots of people coming and going, etc. So I just wanted to mention that about Capernaum. But let's read our story from verse 15 of John 6. So Jesus went up the mountainside alone. In Mark it says He went to pray. Mark adds those words. Verse 16 and 17, After waiting until evening for Jesus to return, the disciples went down to the lake, but as darkness fell, He still hadn't returned. The disciples got into the boat and headed across the lake to Capernaum. Jesus wasn't back, and so they went off by themselves on the, on the boat. They'd come across, not a problem, number of experienced fishermen amongst them, Let's just sail across. And often they, they used to fish at night. So sailing at night wasn't a problem. Now these boats, they had sails because if there's some nice wind, make use of it. But they also had oars uh, so that they could row this boat because if the wind was bad, you had to take your sail down. Otherwise, you'll get blown in the wrong direction. And with the oars, you could then go wherever you wanted to go. Okay. By, verse 18. By now a strong wind began to blow and was stirring up the waters. Verse 19. The disciples had rowed. There we go. You see they were rowing. They weren't using the sail. About halfway across the lake. Just to say halfway, I mean, to that distance. is about, just to say, more than 8 k's to Capernaum. So you can say they're about 4 k's across. When all of a sudden they caught sight of Jesus walking on top of the waves, coming towards them. The disciples panicked. But Jesus called out to them, don't be afraid. You know who I am. They were relieved to take him in. And the moment Jesus stepped into the boat, they were instantly transported to the other side. Did you just see another miracle over there? (laughs) I know the story of walking on the water, but it's only John that mentions this. That the moment Jesus actually got into the boat, they were instantly transported and they they made it to the other side. So there's various aspects I want to touch on the story. So you can see it's a very short story. It's like, wow, okay? It's not much there, but there's a lot because there's other accounts of it, and I want to unpack this for you. So firstly, we go back to, I want to just show you another aerial photograph. So this aerial photograph, this is actually Google Earth. In Google Earth, you can, you can measure distances very easily. And so I did this for you. So that yellow line I did for you this morning, it is 8.358. No, sorry, 8,359.7 meters, okay? Don't forget the 0.7. For some of you, it's like, I don't want to stop 0.7 from the shore, okay? So that 0.7 I left in there for you guys. But that's to the distance that they would be paddling, and I just thought. So that's, I mean, how, I mean, if you measure distance, that's as the crow flies from here to the other side of Northdale or up. It's not quite to Hilton. It's about 11, 12 k's to Hilton. Across the lake is 12 k's. That's like to Hilton. Anyway, so that's just to give you a context of the distance that they're doing. Now, folks, I was praying over the Scripture, and I was saying, Lord, what is the point of this story? The miracle we know, the miracle we're focusing on, you walking on water. But Lord, why? Why did you do that? The Bible actually doesn't say much about it, give descriptions about how he walked on the waves and etc. Except to say that he did. And... But more than that, I was saying, Lord, why? What's the point of this story? You're not trying to impress people that you have authority over the waves and the wind and and you know you can do the impossible. That's not the point. And I've really been asking that. But also I just want to I just want to mention that this miracle, for example, of walking on water, it didn't just happen in Bible times. There are so many miracles that happen in the Bible that seem like, wow, God, how did you do that? That I've heard of people doing it today. Meltari in the Indonesian revival, this was in the 1970s. Um, they, were, they were praying in a church and literally like the book of Acts, they heard wind and there was like fire. The fire, the, 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 the fire station sent fire engine to the church because they saw fire on the church. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They started praying in tongues, just like the book of Acts. And they had such a strong conviction that they needed to take this message and the love of God to the community. Now, Indonesia, it's jungles, little villages, etc. And Meltori shares the story how they, they felt the, the need. They needed to go to a village on the other side of the island. Now, it was stormy. It had been raining. And they went. And they got to this river. And the river was flooded. Uh, the banks, I mean, the, right up to the edge of the banks were these, were these, the, this river. And they had this strong conviction that God had called them to go to a village on the other side of this, of this, of this thing. And they got there, and I think there were three of them in the group. And they just had this conviction they needed to go. And so they stepped out on the river, and it was fine. They were standing on the water. And all three of them walked across. So you think, well, you know, you, you know those clever, clever Alex who say, yeah, but you know, at that point, you know, right there, there were stepping stones under the water. They couldn't see them, the Lord is. There. You think that's the case? Apparently, there were some Buddhist priests nearby that saw this. These guys tried to do the same thing. They put their foot in and they were swept down the river and nearly drowned. They were dragged out quite a way down. So, anyway, so just to make sure that, you know, so this, happ- this stuff happens. God does this stuff still today. Okay? I, I haven't tried walking across my swimming pool, but then there's not some lost person on the other side that I need to preach to. Okay? So um, this stuff really does happen. And so my question has been, God, why did you do this? And I want to go on and I want to look at... Um, just the second miracle before we do this. So it says, this is the same scripture on the next slide, and I've highlighted the last verse, verse 21. They were relieved to take him in, and the moment Jesus stepped into the boat, they were instantly transported to the other side. Now, folks, this is the second time in the Bible that I know, no, it, ha- it happened to Elisha as well. He was taken up to heaven. In his physical body, he was transported in the Spirit. Okay. Here we can see the whole boat and the disciples and Jesus were taken to the other side. How many of you remember the story of Philip who spoke to the Ethiopian um, administrator, the eunuch? And I'm going to put that scripture up for you on the next slide. This is what it says in Acts. And he, Philip, gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch didn't see him again, but went on, his way, went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Azotus. Now, I didn't look that up for you. And traveled about preaching the gospel in the towns until he reached Caesarea. The Bible says the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. Now, folks, these are like wow miracles. But, and you think, well, that was good in Bible times. Have I told you the story about surprise at all? Surprised to totally he now has a, a church in, in uh, Nelsprate. Mbom, uh, Mbombela is the, is the new name. Uh, but this happened when he was a pastor in Mozambique under under uh, Heidi Baker. And he was ministering in an African country. Uh, he didn't say when he shared this testimony which, which African country. But when he was in this African country, he was ministering there, and there was violence and civil unrest and and, and et cetera, political violence breaking up. And, and, and the Lord told him, get to the airport. He went to the airport, and and, and, and there, was, there was gunshots and things. It was hot. And and he sensed the Lord saying, go into the bathroom and go into the toilet cubicle. Close the door. So he went in there, and he's in the cubicle, and he's hearing gunshots. And, you know, there's stuff happening. And he's thinking, how am I going to get out of here, Lord? How are you going to do this? And he's praying. He's praying in the Spirit. He's a Spirit-filled man of God. He's praying in tongues. Kera babo, and he's praying. And he's just sensing the Lord saying he must stay in this cubicle. And then after a while, it was a while, he was just praying in the Spirit like, Lord, what do I do? He felt the unction of the Holy Spirit for him to open the door and go out. So he opened the door and he went out of the bathroom. And when he came out of the bathroom, he was in the airport in Maputo. The Lord had transported him in the Spirit from one toilet cubicle to another. I heard Surprise Satorli tell the story. I read Mel Tari, and I've heard Mel Tari speaking. He came to speak in Cape Town a few years ago when we were there. I heard Mel Tori T- T- tell these stories about walking across water. I've heard Surprise Satorli, a pastor from Mozambique, Tell the story of being transported in the Spirit. Now these are way out wow. But you know sometimes we just need to be slapped awake. God is in control. Things are not falling apart. Even though we have load shedding. God's not stressed about load shedding. He's still in control. He's in control of your life. He can intervene in phenomenal supernatural ways. If and when need be. And here folks. These boys are in this lake. They are taking strain. They are taking serious strain. And I want to I wanna just um, go to Mark now. And I want to now look at, and we're going to zoom in, because Mark gives a better description of what's happening in this, in this boat. Twelve men in a boat in the middle of the night. Folks, when we say in the middle of the night, they got in at sunset when the night started. Now, in Hebrew mind, and in Hebrew literature and, and, and their, their timetable, a night was 12 hours, 6 to 6. 6 p.m. to 6 a.m., okay? And there were four watches in the night, each three hours, okay? So 6 to 9, 9 to 12, 12 to 3, and 3 to 6. And why did they call them watches? Because in those days... They would assign guards on all the towns and villages to look out for enemies. And you either had first watch, second watch, third watch. You had different watches. So that's how their minds worked. So the Bible says that Jesus went to them in the third watch. That's from 3 to 6 a.m. That means for nine hours, folks, these boys were out there paddling and paddling and paddling. How many of you have paddled for nine hours through a night? I haven't. I've done quite a lot of paddling. I've done the doozy canoe marathon a couple of times. Let me tell you, the longest I've taken, usually we're out there, you're doing about 40Ks a day, and we are paddling for about five hours on average, sometimes six or seven hours. I'm telling you, you are finished. I am pelele after one day of the doozy. And yeah, I mean, you train for it, but you're still tired. I can't imagine paddling for nine hours. And listen, this is a, these are big, big wooden boats. They're not easy. Look at what, what it says here in Mark. As night fell, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone in the land. The wind was against the disciples, and he could see that they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. So folks, Jesus is up on the hills over here, and the Bible says He's praying. I want to ask you, what do you think He's praying about? I have a deep conviction that Jesus is praying for His disciples. In the book of Hebrews, it says, He ever lives to intercede for you and me. Folks, Jesus is interceding. Interceding means standing in the gap for you and me. What is Jesus doing right now at the right hand of the Father? He's interceding for you and me. What does that do for your soul when you realize Jesus is praying for me? And what kind of prayers is He praying for you? I want to tell you, it's God's plans for your life. It's God's protection for your life. It's God's wisdom for your life. Amen? It's, it's that you would be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit of God. That you would be, be, be devoted to the will of the Father. Jesus was praying for these boys. Now, I want to ask you this. Twelve men... In a boat, in a storm, wind and waves, they've been paddling for nine hours and only halfway across. What do you think is happening in the hearts and the souls of those men? What do you think is happening in their relationships? Do you think they're sitting there singing Kumbaya songs? Folks, I'm convinced at some point Peter is telling his brother Andrew, Andrew, you better paddle. I can see you are joking. You're not paddling as hard as me stop loafing get your or get hold of your Uh, folks i'm telling you there was things what was happening there was a phenomenal team building exercise that jesus sent them into do you know corporates businesses today pay thousands of rands to send their, 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 their their staff on team building exercises they pay thousands to send a group of staff into the bush somewhere where there's maybe a dam. And I've, I mean, you do this maybe uh, when you go in a youth camp or something like this. But they, these are adults. And they will take them into the bush and they will divide them into two teams and they will give them some tubes and poles and rope. And each team have a, And you say, guys, first team to the other side gets supper tonight. If you don't make it, you don't get supper tonight. And you have been busy and running around all day. I want to tell you, you will quickly figure out how to make a raft to get your team to the other side. People pay thousands for this kind of stuff. Why people realize the relational dynamics that come into play when you put people together in difficult situations and give them a task that is difficult for them to perform. And there's something that happens in the meshing and the molding of people together in situations like that. You quickly figure out how the lead, who the leaders are, who loses it easily? Who gets down and does it? Who are the lazy people? Who are the loafers who just want to do as little as possible? You quickly figure out who's you in the zoo. Folks, Jesus, Jesus literally in that boat he had all his eggs in one basket. Jesus came, he preached to the crowds, he fed the crowds but he devoted his life to a few individual men. Twelve men he devoted his life to. If that boat went down There wasn't actually a plan B for him. I'm not sure God always has a plan B. He's focused on His will, the Father's will. And so right here, Jesus is praying for them. And he's praying, Lord, I pray that Peter won't lose it. I pray Peter had a big mouth. Peter would just talk. He's praying, Lord, I pray that Peter won't tell Andrew where to get off. <laughs> I pray that Peter won't tell Andrew to go jump in the lake. <laughs> okay, And, and, and he's praying, because he, he knows these guys and he's praying, Lord, I pray for patience for Peter. I pray Peter won't lose it with Andrew. And Lord, I pray for John and James. They were known as the sons of thunder. You know why is that? Because these guys just lost it, do you know? I pray that James and John won't lose it with Matthew and Nathaniel. Lord, I pray that they would... I mean, all these relational dynamics. Because, folks, the pressure they would face in the years to come as the apostles of Jesus Christ advancing the kingdom of God on earth was much greater than facing in the storm. So I'm asking you, folks, the Lord... The Lord sometimes puts us in difficult situations. But I want to tell you, He's praying for us. He's interceding for us. He knows how He made us. He knows our personalities. He's praying for us that we would make it, that we would figure out how to work together. And you know, the very important thing is also, I want to highlight here, if you think, it says, and He could see they were straining at the oars, trying to make headway. The New Living Bible puts that part. They were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And then it goes on. When it was almost morning, or the fourth watch, Jesus came to them walking on the surface of the water. That word straining over there is the Greek word bazaniso. I don't know if i am said it right. Bazaniso. And it means to be harassed or distressed in pain, toil, struggle or torment in body or mind. That's the, that's the word that the Apostle Mark is using to describe what they were going through in that moment. But Jesus is praying for them. And the other very important thing is, folks, that Jesus came to them in the middle of their storm. And, folks, Jesus came. They cried out to him. He says, boys, don't worry, it's me. He gets into the boat. Boom! They're at the other side. I want to tell you, sometimes the Lord prays for us in our struggles. Sometimes He comes to us and He delivers us out of our struggles and suddenly it's like, what happened to that storm? The storm's over. It's gone. We've reached our destination. Now I know all of us are crying all the time, Lord, (laughs) just come right now and just zap me to the other side, get me out of my storm. But there's stuff that God does in us that is just so significant. I don't know, maybe you and your family are going through a storm. Folks, the relational dynamics, the stuff that you learn together as you navigate that storm together is so important. And so this story is like, whoa, I want to put this up. And, and uh, Baboa alluded to this. On Thursday prayer, Thursday prayer, 5.30, you guys, welcome to come. Open to everybody. Lusanda was reading, uh, leading, sorry, and reading. And Lusanda, she had the words, just a little longer. Just a little longer. You know, when she said those words, I felt the Spirit of God on those words. They ministered to my soul. They, they penetrated, you know, as the Bible says, joint and marrow. Uh, they, they went deep inside of me. Just a little longer. Baboa said that was her sense for worship. Just a little longer. What do the words just a little longer mean to you? I want to tell you, I'm sure Jesus was praying for those disciples at 7 o'clock, at 8 o'clock, at 9 o'clock, at 10 o'clock, 11, 12, 1, 2, just a little longer. God, give them the perseverance to keep paddling just a little longer. Just a little. I'm going to come at the right time. They're not going to sink. I'm working in them. I'm making them apostles. I'm making them great men of God. Just a little longer. Can you hear, Josh, can you hear the word of, the, the Spirit of the Lord saying, just a little longer. Josh, keep fighting for your family. Keep praying for your daughter. Keep being there for your wife just a little longer. Don't give up, Josh. I'm not saying Josh is giving up, okay? I'm just using him as an example. Okay? I don't know what your situation is. Can you sense Jesus praying for you? In this situation, I picture I picture myself in a boat with you guys. we paddling and Jesus praying and saying, just a little longer. Steve Merrill said this. He said, you know, you know when, which day is a good day to give up? Tomorrow. Not today. You can make it through today. Give up tomorrow. When you get to tomorrow, remember, today is not a good day up. Tomorrow is a good day. Just a little longer. Folks, patience and perseverance is one of the marks of believers. Patience and perseverance is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was molding at them in those nine hours. And it says in the last watch of the night, he could have come close to six o'clock. It may have been close to twelve hours that we're paddling. We don't know. Just in those three hours, Jesus came to them. Just a little longer. And uh, uh, Lucinda shared the Lazarus story. We'll get to that Nick. No, in two weeks' time, we're doing Lazarus. And Lucinda, this is what we were praying. We were praying for you. And folks, these, I believe, were prayers that Jesus was praying for His disciples on those hills, looking at them through the night. We were praying this for you this week. Patience towards Jesus. That we would keep trusting Jesus. Amen? And renewed and unwavering trust in God's promises. You know what unwavering is? I'm not giving up. That's what we were praying for you. And and when Lucinda said it and I read the story, I said, this is Jesus' praise. This is Jesus' heart towards you and me. Amen? Okay. And when when I was thinking about this, I thought of Romans 8, verse 35 and 38 to 39. Sorry, that should be 38 at the top there. Who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Paul writes, shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress, or persecution or hunger or destitution or peril or sword. For I am persuaded, beyond doubt, I'm am, am sure, this is the amplified by the way, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, that's demons, okay? Demons cannot separate you from the love of God. Nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, again demonic forces, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. These disciples were out there, Jesus watching them the whole time, praying for them. And at some point he decided, I need to now come, I need to be with them, I need to intervene, I need to deliver them, I need to get them to the other side. I don't know when that deliverance is going to happen for you, but I want to tell you, Jesus is a deliverer. He comes at the right time. So, as people have said, you know, Jesus, Jesus is sometimes not early, but he's certainly never late. Folks, this is what I want to pray for you. And, you know, I remember asking the Lord years ago, it says that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I said, but God, I want you, not just your love. And then I realized, folks, knowing that the God that is with you, is with you in love is life-changing. One of my simplest definitions is if you love somebody, you are for them. I'm there for you, baby. She's in Cape Town. I'm there for her, okay? My kids, I love them. I'm there for you, okay? I am committed to you. I will protect you. I will defend you. I will provide for you as a father. I love you. I am there. There's a difference. You know, you can have somebody sitting next to you in a bus. They are with you. But there's no commitment to you. They could even hate your guts. It's a difference knowing somebody's with you as to knowing how they are with you. When this, when Paul says, nothing can separate, separate you from the love of God, that is how God is with you. I am with you, my man. I am with you, woman of God in love i'm committed to you i am for you i am praying for you i'm cheering for you i'm saying just a little longer keep paddling keep paddling you can do it i'm with you amen and i want to say a very important thing you know that these guys were not alone in the boat there were 12 of them together and i want to i want to actually finish this slide Matthew 4 19, when Jesus called his disciples, said, Come follow me, Jesus said, I'll make you fishers of men. We have a mission, threefold mission. Discipleship is follow Jesus, fish for men, and fellowship with other believers. Okay, three F's. Three relationships. It's relationship with God, relationship with people who don't know God. Do not cut off your unbelieving friends. You are the channel of life to them. You are. You bring them hope, you bring them, you bring them life. Okay, fish for men and fellowship with other believers. You know, I remember hearing somebody say, what's the definition of fellowship? Fellowship is a bunch of fellows in a ship together. Okay? Think of the boat across the lake. They're a bunch of guys. Jesus called them individually. He called two brothers, Andrew and Peter. But he called them individually. But he didn't check, you know. Sorry, Peter, do you get on with John? Are you guys friends? You know, how the relational dynamics here, you know. He called 12 guys after hearing from God, The Father, the Father Tom told 12 guys, they probably didn't know each other except a few of them before. He called them together and he made them a formidable team of apostles that changed the world. Folks, you know, the people that God calls you to walk with, I want to say it's dangerous if you choose them based on how much you like them. I've, I've said this before, don't be in the church that you like because people, you know, kind of, be in the church that God has called you. God will mold you. God will put you in a, sh- in a boat together, fellowship together, and He'll mold you to be formidable, um, not just friends, but brothers. But it requires that you get in the ship together. I mean, we, we did the thing of connect groups. Folks, connect groups is God putting people together in groups and we're saying, we're doing life together. We're going to grow in God together. We're going to make disciples together. It is a bunch of fellows in a ship together. God didn't call us to do this alone. He called us to do this together. He called these disciples to do this thing together. I want to pray for you. Jesus, Jesus, I want to thank you for the story, Lord. I'm so struck by how committed you were to these 12 men in this boat, Lord. Through the night in the storm. And God, we've been through our fair share of storms in the last couple of years, God. We got (laughs) got serious graduation certificates for storms. But Jesus, thank you that you're watching us, Lord. That you're praying for us. According to Hebrews, you ever live to intercede for us. Lord, you live to intercede. That's what you do 24-7. You pray for us. And Lord, there are times that you come walking on the water. Lord, not to impress us by your supernatural power, but to actually deliver us, to get us out of really tough circumstances. And God, I pray whether whether we need to know from you just a little longer. Just keep paddling, my man. Just keep paddling. Don't give up. You're gonna get there. I'm praying for you. You're gonna make it. For some of you, that's where you are. You have a strong sense, God saying, Keep paddling, don't give up, you're gonna make it to the other side. Sometimes, for some of you, you you need to know Jesus, the deliverer, who breaks through supernaturally, walking on water, nothing can separate you from the from God that is love. God that comes to us in love, God that is so committed to you. He didn't hold back the most dear thing to you on the on in the universe his very own son he sacrificed his son so nothing could separate you from God nothing not angels not demons not water not lake nothing can separate you from the love of God God I pray for every one of us we would know you as the God who, who loves us who's there for us who's committed to us who either is praying for us that we would keep going just a little longer or you come to us and you deliver us out of our situation. But Jesus, you are there for us. You get us to the other side. And Jesus, I pray for every one of us that we would know you as the miracle worker, the wonder worker, the one who walks on waves to deliver us, Lord. Not to impress us, but to deliver us. I speak deliverance to those who need deliverance. I speak perseverance to those who need to keep paddling. But Lord... In it all, we know you are with us, you are for us, you love us, you're looking after us, you are praying for us, and thank you that we're not alone. Thank you we're not paddling alone. Thank you we have brothers and sisters who are paddling with us, left and right of us. Thank you, Jesus, for this miracle. In Jesus' name, and the people of God said, Amen. amen." God bless you folks. How about greeting a fellow paddler uh, before you go? Say hi, okay? Find out how their paddling is going. Maybe you can pray for them to go just a little longer if need be. Amen. Thank you folks. God bless I hope you've enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.ca And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 61 452 To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Berkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.